reading from um, Psalms 107, verse 23 to 33. Some went off to sea in ships find the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again into the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Lord help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm and whispered and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness. As he brought them safely into harbour, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation, 33 and last. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. Amen. And the next reading is from Mark 4, 35 to 41. The day when evening came, he said to his disciple, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A, fur a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stem, the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 41 and last, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Amen. God of earth and sky, like the air we breathe yet cannot see, like gravity that pulls unnoticed. Sometimes we do not feel your presence. God of wind and waves, you watch over our lives. You rebuke the wind and calm the sea. And sometimes we do not feel your presence. Help us to know that you are there. Lord, today as we study your word and seek to follow in your way, be with us and let us hear your voice. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord and my Redeemer. Amen. Mm -hmm. 24 young girls sat in an assortment of bags in the back of a furniture removal van as it winds its way along a country road. Sounds dodgy, doesn't it? But no, that was how brownies and guides went to camp when I was young. No health and safety, no risk assessments, no seatbelts. Certainly the roads were a lot quieter then, and people were blissfully unaware of safeguarding issues that were later to affect many organisations. The Girl Guides provided me with some wonderful opportunities and adventures when I was young. I still remember my first camp 
on the shores of Loch Etiv in Scotland, marvelling at the wildlife and the clear waters, and totally in awe of the great mountain which loomed over our tents. Ben Cruachan also became a sort of weather barometer for us. As we watched the clouds roll down the sides of its the mountain the sides, we knew just when it was going to rain. And it rained a lot that week. And one particularly bad storm forced us to abandon our tents and take refuge in a local farmer's barn. Such an adventure for us. We were safe and soon recovered. But we've all seen so often the destructive power of water and of rivers in flood. We fear climate change, which will result in coastal lands being flooded. And perversely too, we know that lack of water is equally disastrous. In the Bible, when Job questions God about suffering and God replies, it's obvious that no one can expect to understand how God and the world works. Nature is beyond our power to tame. There's so much of how the world functions that we cannot control, although it has become more and more clear that we can damage it. Storms often blew up on the Sea of Galilee, but they weren't easy to predict. Because of the geography of the land, they arrived as if from nowhere. And it's the same today. And according to the ex-Bishop of Durham, Tom Wright, it isn't just the boats that are in danger. The car parks on the western shore have signs warning drivers of what can happen in high winds. The sea can get rough very quickly and big waves can swamp cars parked on what looked like safe beaches, while the boats on the lake are tossed about like children's toys. Today's Gospel reading is from the Gospel of Mark, quite near the beginning, but so much has already happened. Jesus has been baptised by John, and after a period of temptation in the wilderness, he's begun his mission. He's taught with amazing authority in the synagogue, has healed a man with an evil spirit. And consequently, he's encouraged and replied to the criticism of the authorities for breaking Sabbath rules. And many have flocked to him to be healed. Wherever he goes, crowds follow. He's chosen 12 men to be his disciples. And on the day of the storm, He's been teaching them about the kingdom of heaven through a series of parables. Just imagine if you were one of the chosen 12. In just a few weeks, your lives have been completely changed. Security of jobs and homes abandoned to follow this young rabbi. You've seen and you've experienced so much. But today has felt a bit long. You're still trying to make sense of all that Jesus has been teaching you. Sores and seeds, the kingdom of heaven, lamps, farmers, harvest, mustard seeds. Such a lot. It's evening now. You're tired and you really want to go to sleep. But now Jesus is suggesting you all get into a boat and sail to the other side. Actually, it sounds quite an idyllic way, quite a pleasant way to end the day, doesn't it? But there were a few issues. 
For a start, only four of the disciples were fishermen with real experience of boats and the Sea of Galilee. And most Jewish people avoided the sea if they could. Throughout their scriptures, the sea had negative connotations and symbolized the place of chaos. Traditionally, Jews were not seafarers. They were desert nomads. The sea was seen as a place of evil, alien and threatening. And according to legend, was the home of the terrible sea dragon, Leviathan, whom only God could control. In their history, the great flood had wiped out all save those people and animals in the ark with Noah. The sea had swallowed up the Egyptians at the time of the Exodus and had been the means of redirecting Jonah when he tried to evade God's mission to Nineveh. Many of the Psalms spoke of the creator God ruling over the raging sea and telling its rough and threatening waves to quieten down, as in the passage that Lynette read today. But it wasn't just that. Jesus was suggesting going to the other side. There lay Gentile territory, very Hellenistic, following the Greek customs which the Jews found offensive. There were burial grounds, Roman bathhouses, amphitheatres and pagan temples. Pigs were farmed there. No religious Jew would actually want to go there. So some of you, some of you in the boat, might have had misgivings. Some of you might have been looking forward to the adventure. And Jesus too was obviously tired after everything he'd been doing because he immediately lay down in the cushion of the stern of the boat and was soon fast asleep. During the crossing, a storm blows up and the boat begins to take on water. The disciples are exhausted there's back-breaking, boat-bouncing terror, stirring, pushing and pulling of oars. They know they're too far from the shore, too long in the struggle, and far too small against the waves. Everyone's terrified. Even the experienced fishermen know that they're going to go down. And Jesus, who had first suggested the trip, is fast asleep without a care in the world. In their distress and no doubt anger, in a cry from the heart, the disciples scream at him. Don't you care if we drown? Jesus gets up and addresses the winds and the waves. Quiet, be still. Be quiet. The words he'd used to heal the man possessed by an evil spirit in the synagogue. When those around had wondered about this young man, and his teaching. The storm is stilled, but there are questions from Jesus to his disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And from the disciples to each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. The disciples seem to be more afraid now that the storm is stilled than they were during it. They're afraid because they don't understand how Jesus has done this thing. Only God can command the waves. And they're afraid of continuing the journey and what they will find on the other side. Physically, 
and emotionally drained. Mark writes of this episode in just seven verses, but there's so much there about fear and faith, about asking, asking questions and asking for help, and about boundaries, going beyond, going to the other side. We become very comfortable in our own surroundings and in our own ways. And most of us don't enjoy being out of our comfort zones. The other, be that a person or a place or a way of life that's unfamiliar to us, makes us feel uncomfortable, awkward, sometimes afraid. And historically, mistrust and fear of the other has led to horrendous hostility and crimes against humanity. And sadly, it sometimes seems impossible to reconcile two very different attitudes or indeed people whose beliefs are totally different. Jesus met with those difficulties in his mission and we see him frequently taking the side of the outcast and the marginalised, the other. On that evening, Jesus had deliberately set out for the other side of the lake. Many have braved seas in an attempt for better lives. Pictures of drowned three-year-old Alan Curdy and 15-month-old Artan Nezad have touched our hearts. And we know too that many have drowned in an attempt to escape persecution and start their lives afresh. Acceptance, inclusion and reconciliation were important to Jesus. And this particular trip to the other side of the lake led to the healing and rehabilitation of another man, probably a Gentile, possessed by a legion of unclean spirits. I think, however, that when we see here this story, most of us see in this passage the times when things go wrong, when we are overcome with fear, the storms of our lives. When Mark was writing, the early church and the followers of Jesus were threatened. They had many troubles. The Roman Empire was cruel and persecuted the early Christians. And recently I heard someone point out that though the Roman Empire fell long ago, the church is still here. It's gone through much, has its struggles today, but God is still protecting it. All of us will face our share of storms. No one gets through life without trouble or pain. At one point, the sky will darken, the winds will rage, and we'll find ourselves crying out for help. Maybe asking why, or even why me? The Psalms contain many pictures of the wonders of nature which God has created. There are two cries of lament, and the Psalmist questions what has befallen him how long his troubles are going to last, and even if God is hearing him. Cries full of intense emotion, struggle and anguish. Usually beginning on a negative complaining note. Why? How long? But ending on a faith-filled note. I trust in your unfailing love, Lord. I will sing the Lord's praises, for he has been good to me. With Christian love, 
as individuals and as church, we can try our best to support others in their troubles. And ourselves too, keeping on praying and trying with the grace of God to keep going, to find the courage to cope with what can happen. Our Bibles show us that Jesus understands our weaknesses and intercedes for us, while the Holy Spirit comforts and guides us. And Jesus has promised never to leave us or forsake us. To paraphrase what the great mystic Julian of Norwich wrote, he never said, you shall not be tempest-tossed. You shall not be work-weary. You shall not be distressed. But he did say, you shall not be overcome. And that's a message of hope for all of us. And now a prayer from the URC prayer book called Always. Lord Jesus, who could sleep peacefully through a storm at sea. Some days I feel out of my depth and scared. Such times when I know that my integrity and strength are spent, I could really, really use some reassuring company. So I'm glad when through Bible words and songs and others' prayers, I learn that you are close. At other times, I understand the fear felt by your friends, given no tangible sign of your care and baffled by your apparent absence. Maybe these are the times in which to learn that you are not there to meet my beck and call, but to be trusted, faithfully trusted, always, always, always. Amen. Uh, let us now bring our prayers of intercession together. On this Father's Day, Lord, we pray for all of those who are fathers and grandfathers and for those who take on that role. Thank you for fathers who adopt and foster, and for those father-like figures in our own lives who provide, teach, and care for us. And so now we bring our prayers for someone we know of personally. It might be a neighbour, someone at work, a friend, or a family member. Maybe they are sick or suffering with a long-term illness. Maybe they're waiting for a hospital or a clinic appointment. And we pray also for their families and for those in the medical and caring professions. We pray for your world, Father. We haven't looked after it as well as we should. 
and so make us brave to confront what we are doing to the environment and hear our prayer for new beginnings. As the G7 summit closed this week, we pray for world leaders. May the decisions they make be for the benefit of all. And we pray for those in countries where the pandemic is not under control and there is lack of vaccine. We pray, Lord, for all of those who are affected by the Delta variant that is rapidly spreading. May we help those in need with medical supplies. And we give thanks to all who work in the medical and care professions and frontline agencies like our food banks and homeless charities. Lord, we ask so much of them and at times we forget that they too have families to care for. Teach us, Father, to be patient as we wait for the easing of the coronavirus restrictions to be lifted and the date now moved to July the 19th. We pray for your church united in Christ and ready to serve in your name. Thank you for pastors, for preachers, worship leaders, evangelists and missionaries and for the fellowship of all believers that we may go and make disciples. Hear our prayers, Father God. And thank you, thank you for your love, your faithful care, patient guidance and constant support. So nurture us and help us to grow more like you every day. Amen. Mm -hmm.